Hi, this is Melba Moore. When I'm in London, I listen to All Flavors Radio. You're listening to the Draft Time Show on allflavorsradio.com. Yeah! All right. When no one is watching, that is your opportunity to grow. That is your opportunity to put in the work that will shock the world. How do you know for sure if someone is going to be successful or not? I can give it to you with one question. What do you do when no one is watching? Because what you do when no one is watching will most likely define where you end up. Do you work for praise? Or do you work for pride? When no one is watching, do you work for praise? Or do you work for pride? They won't know if you've done the work or not, but you will. They won't know, but you will. You are the one who lives with the pride or the regret. If you haven't put in the work and you don't make it, you have to live with that. No one else. If you've been out partying, when you should have been working, when you lose, that's on you. If you've been taking it easy, when you should have been learning and growing, when you fail, you have to live with that. You can talk all you like, but the proof is in the results. When it's showtime, your work will show. Don't work for the accolades. Work for the pride. Don't work for recognition. Work for your pride. Work for your growth. Fall in love with the process. The process of growth. Expansion. Your only competition is you. Where you've been versus where you're going. Who you were versus who you're going to be. I've heard it said that you are rewarded in public for the work you do in private. The medals are won in the darkness when no one is watching. The championship is won behind closed doors by doing the work when no one is watching. The results are achieved by the little details no one sees. Who you are going to be does not come down to what others see. Every little detail comes. Don't measure yourself against others. Don't look to see who's watching your progress. If you're making big enough progress, they'll all be watching. Until you get to that point, get your head down and work for the love of work. Work on you. Go to war with your old self and leave that old you in the shadows of yesterday. Because today, today a new you is born. This new you does not need validation from anyone. This new you. It's only after growth, self-growth. Keep going.
forgetting Instagram crew and TikTok crew. How is everyone doing out there? I am Wimbo77. And I'm Naturally Lily. Oh, Naturally Lily's in the house. Wow, what do we owe this pleasure? What do we owe this pleasure? Great to have you here, Naturally Lily. How have you been? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, crumbs. Oh, yes. So tonight we are live, going live on All Flavors Radio, and we have a lot in store for you all tonight. We have a special guest coming in to the show tonight, and that is Ken Kweku Nemo. He is the author of an amazing book. I met Kweku at the from at the African Fashion Week. And his book is absolutely beautiful. It is one for everyone that is interested in fashion, everyone that is interested in where how fashion is developed over time throughout the um, African diaspora and so much more. So we'll, we'll be having Ken on in a little while um, on the Let's Talk Drive Time show. But naturally, Lily, how, have you, how are you and how have you been? Yeah, I'm here. It's good to have you here. I'm here. Yeah, you're here, here. Okay. And um, yes, yeah, so do you want 
let us know what our question tonight is. So the question for today is, are all men afraid of commitment and even more so in the black community? Yes. And if so, why? So are all men afraid of commitment and even more so in the black community? If so, why? Is that a question you've ever asked yourself or? Um, not really. No. Okay, well, that's a question that we're going to be asking purely because it was uh, something that I saw posted recently and just thought I'd ask a question. There's another question for next week that is quite, I was quite shocked. It, it includes Nicki Minaj and what Can't can happen to men. No, is it Nicki Minaj? Yeah, crazy. But so much been going on in the news of late. So much been going on in the news, especially with this whole U-turn we spoke about Quake. I, I don't have Quartet. a clue of what's going on, but I, all I know is he was scapegoated. <laughs> we said it. We had a discussion on the radio yeah. recently, guys. Beautiful listeners asking, is this man a full guy or is he going to be doing something for the community? And look at that. He lasted 38 days. Wow. 38 days. And now this other one has come in and everything that Liz Truss said she was doing is going to be, you know, that's a sad thing. They come in and make all these promises. This is why we can't rely on man to make no promises, you know. Oh, it's a woman. <laughs> and she, the thing is, this Quarteng, Quartu Quarteng, Quasi Quarteng, we just almost knew that he was taking the fall. He was 100% the fall guy. They only put him in place because he was black. And it right. was, um, I've said it. I mean, everyone's <laughs> thinking it. I'm just saying what everyone is thinking. That's the only reason he was there. She's been in power just as long as she as he has. Right. They've both failed to deliver on what they, they said. said they was going to do, but mm. somehow she's still in power. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it, it's, it's a bit too, it's all a bit too fishy. And then everything that he's not done or said he was going to do, has been reversed. And I was watching mm -hmm. his replacement talking on um, one of the news channels and he kept on saying, well, you know, there's always going to be this before this and there's always going to be some tax cuts it's before unfair. this. Like, Why couldn't this <sighs> new guy be Hunt, I think his name is, why couldn't he come before Kwarteng and then Kwarteng? And even if he did and Kwarteng done, done the reverse, either way, he would just be the enemy. <laughs> It's and this funny. is why I knew he it's was going to be the full guy. <laughs> I know. And this is why I knew he was going to be the full guy because it's, I don't say full guy, full as in F A L L. I say full guy, F O O O O L, full guy. Yeah. Because come on. And the first black chancellor, first black chancellor, and wow fell at the first hurdle. I yeah. feel it for him. But well done, well done, because he has shown young black men that they, that the opportunity is there. Is it though? Like he's, he's shown us that, <laughs> yeah, they give it to you and then they just rip it from your bosom. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It was inevitable. Know. It was inevitable, right? This is how I see it. But anyways, yeah. moving on to Sonia Climbs. And let's go into our national day. What is our national day today, naturally, Lily? International Legging Day. Yeah. Is that legging as in leggings? Leggings, yeah. Oh, this is my, interesting. And the because... one day I don't wear leggings is actually International <laughs> Legging Day. National okay. Leggings Day. So get geared up for International Leggings Day. 
18th of October, because as it is the 18th of October 2022 today, although it's a year-round staple for women, right, when temperatures drop, what's the first thing that you run for? My leggings. Your leggings. Even in the summer, you wear leggings, right? Yep. You guys wear leggings out there? Yep. All right, so once the necessity to provide that, it's a bit like tights, it was tights, now then it was the leggings, Mm. to add that extra layer of clothing mm. now it is a staple for women yeah isn't it it's part of your workout it's a workout essential workout essential your go-to daily wear your oh that's gonna go nice with that really nice top wear so it's a going out wear mm. you, literally leggings can be worn every single every click on the clock of the day remember that woman every click on the clock of the day it could be worn all times click on the clock of the that, day that old Jamaica woman that was cussing her Rusty Lee man. no oh okay no I don't know then it was a funny meme so there you go hashtag legging day for all of you ladies and these days uh, uh, I'm blown away because men as well I'm seeing men on TikTok doing modelling and all sorts of things so men and women hashtag legging day if you're going to go into your socials so over time breathable materials we know um, man-made textures and we're going to be speaking to ken tonight he's um a voice on that he's got a voice on fashion african fashion and how it fits into our demographic here in europe mm-hmm. but you know we know leggings they're breathable different designs prints i know that you wear some really nice um yeah. leggings in the gym yes um i do like nice prints leggings, yeah. i know you love a print i do like prints yeah so it's an undeniable era of leggings and modern day leggings are feats of engineering because they're quite comfortable aren't they they're extremely comfortable i don't know how i feel about these new butt lift leggings you know those ones that make everyone's bum looks big? I've not seen them, no. Oh, no, I think I might have one, a pair of USA You've Pro ones. One. USA Pro ones. They, they, is it just the fabric? No, it's the, there's these. There's a specific type of leggings and it's where the line is underneath what oh, should be your butt that. cheek. Yeah. And it makes, it accentuates the, accentuates the glutes. Okay. I don't know how I feel about those. But... Yeah, because you got back off for everybody. You got back off for days, naturally, Lily. Yeah. You know, a lot of women would, they go to Brazil to get what you have. This is true. This is true. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Unlike me, pancake woman. (laughs) You know, I that, you know. Pancake woman. So this is the thing, isn't it? You know, leggings, the styles, they're so versatile. They really are. They're accepted. You can wear them as pants like you said, under a dress mm. or any way. So it, it's leggings. It's, they have risen to popularity, haven't yeah. they? Yeah. So you can use it for leisure, whatever. They're even my go-to maternity trousers. I didn't even buy maternity pants. I just wore leggings. Right. I literally just wore leggings. Yeah. I was. I think I was similar to, with mine as well because it's just com- It's for the comfort now, isn't it? It's all about the comfort. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was a revolution. Because before leggings, what did we have? Trousers. Trousers. Or jeans. Jeans were, were kind of the the, fa- the phase before leggings, weren't they? Okay. but now And then you had jeggings. And then now you've got leggings. Yes. You know? Yeah. Or leggings and jeggings. The two together. Because now you get a variety. I went into Next a few weeks ago. Yeah. And it's not just a trouser these days, guys. 
the, the variety is like boot cut, leggings, jeggings. Um, they've got those mummy looking ones now. Oh, mum style. jeans, yeah. Mum jeans. There's just too much. They're really nice mum jeans. I do like them. Mm-mm. Do you know, it's the high the waist because it draws yeah. attention away from the mum pouch. Right. And it brings it just up just a tad, <laughs> you know. And you can, I understand it. I understand it. Mm. Do you like mum jeans? So put your best leg in forward. Proudly wear your favourite pair and go shopping for more. Consider this year, your choice to break the dress code, mm. whether it's at the office or a five star restaurant. Would you wear leggings to a five star? Yes, re- you would. Okay, leggings with a nice, with a nice lace top or a nice, you know, a nice top and some heels. So, do you wear the legging or the top that will cover the butt or the top that just comes on the waist? It depends. If it's high waisted leggings, then I don't. It won't cover my bum. Right. Or you'd wear normal leggings with ni- like a li- nice long shirt that just dips just underneath the bum with some nice yeah. heels. Mine would have to be the long style because I don't like showing the flat pancakes. <laughs> so, yeah, it will definitely have to be a long shirt. Yeah. <laughs> so after all, feeling comfortable is what the day really is all about. Yes. Share your favourite looks and styles by using hashtag legging day on social media on the 18th of October. Mm. I've got to say big shout out to John John on your 25th and a big shout out to Margie who will be 30 tomorrow. Wow. The years are rolling by. So we're going to give you some more shout outs later as well as the DJs and everyone. So International Legging Day. To, and it started in 2019. Oh, that's recent. Yeah, I thought it was would have been a bit longer Oh, Fabletics, than that. that's why it started in 2019. Fabletics, they kind of went really popular during lockdown, didn't they? Oh, because wow, everyone was doing their workouts at home at a certain point. Okay. And loads of... Because um, that's when I kind of found out about them was just near... Not the end of lockdown, of the end of COVID, but mm. just as people were starting to come out again... And they realised that, oh, we've got to start transitioning back into the office. Mm. And they started popping up on my adverts. Because a lot of trends changed. I don't, I've known about Fabletics from, for longer than 2019. And I just always thought that it was they, their leggings were quite pricey. That's why I never ever... No, they have in. been around for a while, but I'm saying yeah. they really boosted up in, yeah. in 2019, 2020. Because uh, I know that the, even in the office that the style of dress changed. So I think that it went downhill Mm. for a long time and people stopped dressing up to go to the office Mm. because I remember going in, I think I was going to a Toastmasters um, thing um, in Holborn or something and I was shocked that the women weren't wearing heels, that they were wearing pumps and... Oh, no, you don't wear heels to the office anymore. That they were dressed up and then obviously coming out of COVID, the woman ditched the bra. The bra got ditched, guys, because women were happy to be at home yeah, with just a t-shirt on, no, because un- bras are uncomfortable naturally, Lily. They are, but you can't be like I work in in hospital, and you can't be walking out on clinic with your nip nips out. True. You know, just there on clinic, and the only thing that patients can see is the nips in the face. Mm. No, we have got a nurse. Well, we used to. Who didn't used to wear? She didn't wow. used to wear a bra, and it was very obvious. But it's quite uncomfortable for women. So I guess us as women we're going for something more comfortable so the leggings and yeah. uh, maybe different forms of 
clothing that make mm. us feel more comfortable, hence the Fabletics. Yeah. And really celebrating this year-round style staple because it is a staple within every woman's wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's official legging seasons, guys. It's getting colder so we can wear it under our garments or just wear them as part with a jumper or something and it still looks really nice, yes. doesn't it? So... The Registrar at National Day calendar proclaimed International Legging Day to be observed on October the 18th annually. So every single year, this new hashtag Leggings Day. So if you're doing your if you're doing your social medias, it's hashtag Leggings Day today. National, do you wear leggings, lovely listeners? Let us know. Come and join us in the chat room in allflavorsradio.com. And uh, yeah, let us know what your staple is. And we're just going to give a big shout out to all of the DJs who've done amazing over the start end. Um, DJ George Flavors, as well as um, all the Sunday crew, Nigel, KJB jumped in there for Mark Philogene. Hope you're resting up, Mark. And um, DJ Laro, J- John J.E., Billy Ray Valentine and A.T. Francis fantastic stuff as well as last night as well Corey e8 george flavors we know george has moved over to a monday from a saturday and wow what can we say all good all roads lead to all flavors and that's where we want the roads to lead to right naturally lily yes it's so good to have you in in tonight as well like we've missed you you know yeah i thought well i wasn't here last week and last week was my week to be here so i thought i'll come and do a little stint tonight. Hear my voice today. I was going to say see my face and I realised that anyone that can see our faces on TikTok. (laughs) We are, that's right, because we are. And we're going to give a shout out to Bella Arra as well. Great stuff. You can catch Bella Arra on a Saturday from one till three. And A.T. Francis, you can catch A.T. Francis tonight. So beautiful people. We'll see y'all in five. This is the station with all your music in one place. Absolutely gorgeous around there. Isn't it just amazing? Why don't you um, step down there and I'll take a picture of you. All right, cool. Let me just jump down. Two seconds. A walk by the sea may seem safe enough, but slippery rocks, unstable ground and unexpected waves could catch you out. Around half the people who drown never even expected to get wet. British and Irish waters are dangerously unpredictable. See for yourself, rnli.org forward slash respect the water. Lucian UK. Get ready. ready. Domolution Promotions and All Flavours Radio present We Are Ready to Party Again, Lucian Style, on Saturday the 25th of February 2023. On this night, we'll be celebrating St. Lucia's 44 years of independence. Save the date, more details coming soon. Broadcasting worldwide, online, 24-7. All Flavours Radio. Sounds of a right, Benny. Keeping it nice and mellow. Take me in slowly so you can understand. 
from Croydon guest 34 out of Watford guest 530 out of Gateshead guest 532 out of Hayes guest 9573 out of London and guest 580 out of London Hope you all are having an amazing evening and that your day was blessed and productive and happy. Also giving a big shout out to Sal Malaysia, how you doing? JKJB This is a show where we highlight the things that are for us and by us so important to have a community radio station that tackles all things of great importance. of Eric Benet. Sounding real hard, real hard there. 
Like we said, we're keeping it nice and mellow. One of my favourites, this one here. Sounds of Tony Braxton. Speaking in tongues. Tony Braxton speaking in tongues do you know I love the way when I hear songwriters write and what they're trying to convey um, in meanings when they speak or they write these songs Mm -hmm. and we went to see the Bob Marley show on the start end absolutely amazing and when I saw the way they put the songs into context 
things like waiting in vain it was to do with the um with the Miss J- Miss Jamaica who was seeing yeah. she was waiting in vain for his love because he was had all these women and Rita and so on and so forth and amazing context is everything right naturally Lily context is definitely everything and I think um we live in a society where people rushed rushedly that's mm. a word um <laughs> take things out of context yes. and cause a lot of problems for themselves and and other people so yes context is extremely important context and knowing the story behind the words knowing the reasons why knowing why we do the things that we do mm. all right and that is important on so many levels we didn't um mention as well um on this day in 1926 the grammy winning rock and roll star chuck berry yeah hall of family artist influenced generations of music that was when he was born music musicians and artists with a slew of number one hits berry ushered in an era of rock and roll his first hit song was maybelline as well as followed by Roll Over Beethoven, Brown Eyed Handsome Man and Johnny B. Good. So he's... The only one I know from that list is Johnny B. Good. Yeah. Roll Over Beethoven. Nope. You don't know that one? Okay. All right. So Johnny B. Good. Johnny B. Good. I was something like that, know, right? Yeah. <laughs> and going on that, still talking about our history this month. The man who started Black History Month. Who was he naturally, Lily? You've done this on purpose. Why? Because the name's complicated. <laughs> Akiaba Adai Sebo. Mm. I really hope I didn't butcher that name. Um, he began the event in the UK in 1987. Um, Akiaba was moved to create Black History Month after witnessing the racial inequality that plagued Britain in the 1980s and in the heart of central London or greater London, sorry, um, as a black activist and journalist, he decided that he wanted to tell the forgotten stories of Africa in Britain. He arrived from Ghana after fleeing political corruption and soon joined the Greater London Council in 1985, where he worked in the Ethnic Minorities Unit during the leadership of Ken Livingston. And that's a while, then they had ethnic minorities and we're still having ethnic minorities department. Same, yeah, GLC, that was GLC. And um, they've done a lot, because I remember Ilya as well. I can't remember the, the... full thing of the acronym of ILIA in a London Education Authority. So there was mm. all these under Ken Livingston, there was a lot of authorities that kind of helped underprivileged people, as well as here, the Greater London Council mm. that spoke on, you know, the part of black people in this country. Yeah. And this is it. He saw that, uh, and it's funny because I was listening to um, the BBC and they were speaking about there's a, a history here that is not recognised too much. It's a book that I've, I've highlighted before, and that's Tudors here in mm. the UK. And we go back as further, further than the Tudors. Do you mean the, the Georgia, Georgian, not the Tudors? Tudors are before the Georgians. Georgians came after, because I think the Georgian era is just before the Victorian. Oh, or there's okay. Edwardian or Georgian, Edwardian, Victorian. Okay. But the, the Tudor is like King Henry times. Yeah, King Henry the Eighth Tudors. But we have been here, and the, the man really did make a valid point that every um, culture or every person comes from Africa. Mm. So, because they were talking about globalization, 
and how um, this is why you maybe find black people in other countries. But mm. globalization is something that's happened since the dawn of time. Mm. We read it or we see it in the scriptures, don't mm. we, of them um the the the, the, the traveling yeah the hebrews remember yeah. when they come out of egypt that's globalization they were moving in somewhere else mm. or when they came out because of the famine they went to egypt mm. these things happen and that's why people move around the world so it's lovely that um ade sibo that he could recognize that the, the stories from africa were being forgotten mm. hence this is why he wanted to start up this Black History Month, and he saw the inequality as well, didn't he? Yeah. It, that, you know, that was going on. So in the years that followed, he witnessed hundreds of West Indian children forced into schools for the educationally subnormal. In the 1980s, tension between black communities and the police <clears throat> imploded, and racial inequality in Britain was an, an endemic. And that is true. I kind of grew up seeing this kind of stuff, like stop and search, which still... <laughs> Gonna, nothing's really changed the same it? you know so this is why he wanted to kind of start this up isn't it mm. yeah and it says that um he, his proposal for black history month was supported by the former mayor of london mm. ken Livers ken livingston um he said one day i went to work and our secretary at the glc looked very downcast and he was almost in tears i asked her it was a her, what was wrong? And then she said, would you believe it? I was putting Marcus to bed last night and after prayers, uh, as I was leaving, he called me and said, mum, why can't I be white? Oh, that's sad. Marcus wow. was six years old and his mother named him Marcus Messiah Garvey, a, um, a Jamaican Pan-Africanist and black nationalist. And he was a child confused about his identity. After that statement, I thought something had to be done. Mm, that's, that's quite sad, isn't it? Could you imagine that? And it's strange because I'm doing this project here with Jayla today mm. and looking up Egypt and there was a Cleopatra looking person but not cleopatra <laughs> as she would have been the as well version. as like the natural people that would have come from that area and i said this is what an egyptian would look like not highlighting color or anything like that but just letting her see and then i said that they do whitewash history mm. history is whitewashed all from day dot to day dot mm. and it is about us it is about us knowing our identity and knowing where our place is in society, you know, what mark we've made and the great things that black people have done in history or the mm. black, great people that we, we are and were in history at the same time as well, yeah. isn't it? So we know that it is October and October in the UK is celebrated as Black History Month. So really it's quite important to highlight the, I guess, the founder or the person that felt to put it on the map Akayaba Adai Sebo, he's the one that started um, Black History Month. So what about identity then, naturally, Lily? He says, I saw that there was a problem with identity. African children were mimicking the Afro-Caribbean and they did not want to relate to their identity when... Uh, when they were from Ghana, Nigeria, Somalia, and all of that, you tried to talk to them in their language and they used to shrink. See, I remember that. I, I do remember that even in the 90s and the 2000s that it was more fashionable to be Jamaican 
right. than it was to be African. Wow. Which I, I get it, but I don't get it mm. because I don't see what the difference is. Like they, we're both black. Like you, you know what I mean. I don't really. At that point, I didn't see and understand what's the difference between you being African, me being Jamaican, mm. me being for the Caribbean. We're both the same, same heritage, but even in reading that he was seeing children who didn't even want to speak their own language. Um, you said that recently, though, even with the Somalians, that they don't recognise and won't say that they're Somalian. No, they won't recognise that they're African. Or recognise that they're African. Right. But no, it wasn't the Somalians, it was us. <laughs> okay. It was us. It was See? everyone else. You'd look at a Somalian, you you wouldn't say, oh, they're black or mm. they're African. They were just Somali. And then yeah. as you get older, you realise, why were we making a differentiation between mm. Somalians and Africans and Somalians and black people when they're well, <laughs> black? The Do you know what I mean? Like, they're from, from the, the same, same continent. continent. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. African. Yeah, And it, it, it's even down to the fact that when you look up, um, this was quite recently, actually. And I think there was this big thing where all of this, uh, not all of, a lot of Somalis were coming out, out and saying, actually, no, mm. is they are actually down in, I think it was Wikipedia, I saw it, actually, oh. as Arab. Somalis are not black, they're okay. Arab. Um, and when... I was having a conversation with a girl that I work with who's Somali. She's like, I don't understand that concept. Because mm, it's still like, all African, African, right? Yeah. 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 Um, but and yeah. It's nothing to be ashamed of. I think even us coming from the Caribbean, we know that our roots, not but not all Caribbeans' roots lay in African roots. This yeah. is something that we've got to remember as well. But the vast majority probably have Some African transportation, roots. transportation, yeah. yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it. And it, there's nothing wrong in knowing our history. Mm. All right. And and not saying, oh, that with that young child, he's saying wishing he was white, but knowing that he comes from a wealth, a, a great heritage. And, you know, knowing that you, you can go back culturally and see where we come from. Because... But I think that's the problem. I think when you're in school, mm. say he was six, our history in school starts at slavery. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. when you are in a classroom of other people and <clears> you're <throat> seeing um, roots, because we were showed roots. Oh, um, so yeah. just, every time I think about it, it makes me want to cringe. But we were shown roots and then mm. you see them on the, on the um, boat being, you know, water flung on them, their legs being... And one of the white girls, the only white girl <laughs> in the class... Her comment was, why are they jumping around like monkeys for? Mm -mm. Now, being a young child and hearing that, if you're impressionable, you don't want to be black. Mm. You still want to punch up the white girl, but you don't want to be black. Right. Do you know what I mean? So in that instance, you can understand why they don't want to be associated with that. Because why does my, why does my history start with... Um, oppression yeah they don't see the masumus the mansumusas and they don't see that cleopatra was black and mm, all of that mm. kind of stuff they just see we were brought over on boats raped and murdered and here to pick cotton yeah. and it's funny because we spoke about the queen um the warrior queen the other day so many there's so many um people when we look back in history the wealth of our history mm. but yeah like you said in the schoolyard like we're, people are taught not to be leaders, but to be um, followers, followers yeah. as well as we're taught just a portion 
of what is out there. Mm. And this is what this this man tried to do, isn't it? Um, Akea Abba Adai Sibo. He wanted to tell the story. Mm. He wanted to know that there was inequality, us to know there's inequality. He wanted us to know our identity, but also, you know, paying tribute to our amazing heritage, mm. the amazing heritage that we do have. So he designed a program for Britain to pay tribute and recognise the contributions of Africans and people of African descent to the political, economic and social life across Great Britain and Europe, which I think is amazing. Yes, naturally, Lily. Lily? Uh, well, do you know something I find funny? And this is going back to um, what Africans wanting to be Jamaican. At work, currently, we have our Black History trolley. We've all contributed mm. to it. And initially, our head of nursing, who's not black, um, came and said, oh, I've had comments that this is just this is just all about Caribbean. There's no African input. And then we went, we've got these big sheets with mm. loads of different information in it. And one of the big sheets was all of um, different uh, black people of note. Mm. And about 90% of the people on that sheet were African. Were African. Yeah. I was like, where's that come from? She said, all the flags are, all the flags are Caribbean. I was like, no, all the flags aren't Caribbean because we actively searched to make sure everybody was included. included. yeah. And that's the problem. It's like, as Caribbeans, we almost get penalised sometimes for not being African enough. When we're not African, like we are Caribbean because that's where we've grown. We know yeah. that's where our roots are, but we are Caribbean. Yeah. But we still actively, because there's only Caribbeans currently that are doing a trolley, mm. do you know? We still mm. actively went and made sure and we went something. back to our heritage to make sure that yeah. everybody was included. Yeah. And that's obviously what he's done. He saw that, you know... Because effectively what he's saying is the young boy, mm. he said he wanted to be white and also the young African children don't want to be African, they want to be Caribbean. Yeah. And he made sure that everybody, is Black History it's Month, inclusive, everybody. it's not African History Month, it's not Caribbean, it's Black History Month. This is mm. your heritage, this is your history for all of us. He yeah. included everybody. It's a fantastic, fantastic article really because he was an activist and he dealt with problems and resistance from members of the community, like you just said there, because it wasn't the trolley wasn't black enough in the sense that not enough African when there was. Yeah. And, you know, let's not make a, a yoke for our neck. Let's just celebrate us. Yeah. That's our thing. That's what it is. Celebrate us and all the amazing things that are going on in our community, really, you know, and just we have a wealth of culture, mm. a wealth of everything, and it's just to be celebrated. And we will be getting our guest on soon, actually, because um, he too has written an amazing book in regards to African fashion mm -hmm. and where we where we lie in that regard. And again, it's the influence, so influential mm. from that part, isn't it? So beautiful people. We'll see y'all in five
of Angie Stone. And I think we have Ken Kwaku Nemo online. Are you there, Ken? Yes, I'm here. Hello, Ken. How are you? I am doing fantastic. How about yourself? We are well. We are well. And really glad to have you on board here with us on allflavorsradio.com. Thank you. So, really, and, and I, I would love to tell everyone who you are, but it's nicer coming from you. So, who are you? Who are you? Great. My name is Ken Kwekunimo. I am a Ghanaian author and researcher. I recently published a book titled Africa in Fashion. Um, and I am here in London to conduct a launch of the book excellent that's right and it's an absolutely beautiful book listeners and when you see it it's just like you just it's like dripping in exquisiteness that's all that I can say it's it's just an a really beautiful book and I was drawn to it um I met you down at African Fashion Week didn't I Ken Yes, uh, we we met um, at the at the Africa Fashion Week London, and mm. it was uh, extremely um, an incredible opportunity. It was an exciting moment. Yeah, um, and I really enjoyed um, the conversations that we had around African fashion. And I'm glad to be on this radio um, exploring this topic even further. Excellent, because we were just talking about um, Black history and how uh, innovators that went before us, how they laid out the way in order to enable us to really kind of get on the map. But would you say we've been on the map for a very long time, Ken? Yes. Um, African fashion has, um, and, and, and the history um, around African fashion, uh, this continent has been and continues to be central to the global fashion um, value chain, the value chain of global fashion. Mm-hmm. However, it has only been in these very recent days or recent uh, decades that this has been recognized. Yeah. But um, as you said earlier, it has been perhaps the longest contributor to this global phenomenon. Um, all they eat at the periphery. So for some strange reason, uh, the continent continues to be the source um, um, or the bedrock of many of the fashion, uh, what do you call it, um, uh, mega brands around the world providing everything from valuable resources, including gold, um, minerals, um, uh, textiles, different kinds of incredible materials that have fed the global um, fashion economy. Yeah, definitely. That, awesome. But this has not been um, adequately captured, and even when it was, it has always been through the lenses of others other than our own selves as Africans. And mm. I believe that this opportunity to explore and archive this phenomenon um, is one that I'm privileged and extremely happy and proud uh, to be a part of. Mm. We are seeing a new wave um, of young, um, talented, 
both designers in the industry and also thought leaders in terms of voices that are archiving and telling the stories of African fashion. Mm. I love the way you put it there that it's your the book it explores the kaleidoscope of craft cultures and the vectors that have shaped African fashion for centuries and yeah. your your cover I mean to me what I see like you just explained there is the gold is the craft and the menolin the menolin that's what I see when I look at the, your your book yes. cover right yes. because this is something sort of isn't it after when you think about it and this is the the kind of go to now we're seeing so much more black um models on the runway as well which is amazing yeah. right so your book's split up into two parts isn't it what is what yeah. how is the books um arranged yes uh, the book is in two major parts uh mm-hmm. the first part explores african fashion history and also explores um the textile heritage both textile and um, accessories, um, jewelry craft and accessories mm-hmm. that have um, for centuries and for decades defined what Africa and African aesthetic is. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the, the, the second chapter, on the other hand, explores the, the practice of designers, mostly yeah. beginning from the practice of the first generation I talk about, I call them um, generation couture this is the 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 wave of luminaries and designers that led the reclamation of many of these textiles that were in steep decline mm. I talk about designers like Chris Sado who popularized the Bougalanzini uh, talk about designers like Alfadi talk about designers like who also popularized the Ghanaian Kente, and of course, uh, Sheikh Omar's farm of Nigeria, who made it her prime mission to use only indigenous textiles such as the Asoke and the Aqueta cloth to mm. make the most beautiful couture clothes mm. uh, for the contemporary Nigerian woman. And then I also talk about contemporary designers. I, I approach their work. Um, engaging them in what are called case studies. These case studies basically taps into their world and their insight. Um, and so readers would be able to understand what informs um, the ethos of many of the brands that they may have heard about. Uh, brands like Debbie Magogut, brands like um, um, Lukanyo Ndingi, all of which are from South Africa, brands like Mini Plan. Um, brands like uh, Tokyo James of Nigeria, um, 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 T. Michael of Bergen, of, uh, who who is based in Bergen in Norway, but is of Ghanaian uh, heritage, mm. and a host of incredible designers. Uh, I'm forgetting those from both Kenya. Basically, I explored the practice of designers. Yeah, literally all across the continent. It's quite amazing because you've opened up my eyes because I've not heard of any of these designers. Ah. And it's funny because the last time that I was in Africa, I went to I was looking for a bag and I went into one of the shops and they had all of the Gucci's and the Louis Vuitton's mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And I said, listen, I don't want any of these bags. But the next time I come, I would like a bag designed by an African designer. Wow. Yeah. 
get you are here ro- reeling off a lovely uh, mm. role of many African designers. Yeah. And that's I did see that highlighted and you go into them individually, don't you, in, in the back of your book? Mm. Yeah, so that's amazing. Yes. I actually explore beyond the brands that I explore as case studies, which were around 13 in number. Mm. I, my, the scope is even widened with a number of brands that are featured Mm. expanding the number to close to 32, maybe even 35. Mm. Um, now, I'm happy about the point that you made about the rise of the African designer. Mm. Now we have entered a phase where it is no longer designs that are made to to be, quote-unquote, um, 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 artifacts on the side or... Yeah. Or, 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 or cultural, you know, like curios. Uh, they have rather entered into a realm where our designers can now place immense value on their culture. Yeah, yeah. Designers like Imani AEC, whom I talk about, is the first um, sub-Saharan African to have showcased his work two consecutive occasions Mm. On the main calendar of the uh, of the French uh, haute couture um, show in Paris. Now, this is telling you that the world is keen and interested and ready to listen and place value on what we have. It, however, behoves on us to 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 package these stories, to package these cultural. Uh, what you call it, culturally informed conversations mm. and uh, aesthetics that not only propel uh, 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 distinctive cultures around the world, but even challenge the, the, the stereotypes that have for so long uh, pervaded um, the, the global fashion economy. Yeah, yeah, because I, I recall um, it must have been around 2018, there was a big... Um, ruckus about it was Stella McCartney wasn't it she went in and she designed this dress it was about 1200 pounds yet yet we have all of these designers that are on the the continent of Africa that have been making these designs for eons yeah it had to be why would it be a white designer that comes and gets the the accolade for it when we've been doing it all this time isn't it Mm. yes you know. And that's exactly what I, I seek to achieve with this book. I believe that um, a lot of the audiences, um, new markets, mm. are beginning to experience these brands uh, in a way that um, sort of transcends the conventions that have for decades mm. prevailed. Yeah. Um, just this morning, there was... Um, a media uh, publication about the collaboration between a South African designer, Teddy Nogugu, whom I explore uh, his mm. work in my book, and yeah. Dior. Oh, in wow. An incredible, in an incredible um, collaboration that has produced. Um, um, and the same designer, just not long ago, mm. also worked with the House of Valentino, and what wow. they did was an exchange of garments. So uh, a, a garment, a couture garment from Valentino went all the way to South Africa, to the studio of Tesma Gugu, mm. and vice versa. And these designers took apart these garments to reinterpret 
understand through the lenses of their respective cultures. Now, that for me is a bold step. Mm, absolutely. And it's one of the most critical conversations that have for decades been lacking mm. and uh, to some degree being the reason why the absence of it being the reason why a lot of the designers in the West would literally just take and appropriate. Yes. With our designers being conscious mm. and being in full control of the narratives and their cultural uh, 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 conversations or the stories that really um, 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 emanate from their from, from their respective origins. Mm. Uh, it has become it has become almost they literally have become gatekeepers. Mm. I mean, our designers have become gatekeepers because now it's not it, it does it, it makes absolutely no sense to even attempt to appropriate our designers are already there yes. telling these stories. Yeah. And I believe that that for me is quite a, a leap, a grand leap uh, for African fashion. And it's lovely that you've highlighted it in your book as well, isn't it? That, yes. you know, that just from the start and now not to the finish, because it's it's whole new beginning. Like you said, these wonderful um, relationships that are being forged, but the designers are being recognised for the things that they should have been recognised for a long time ago, right? Yeah. Yes. Uh, wonderful. So I know, um, Ken, uh, that you have uh, something on tomorrow, don't you? Yes. Do you want to tell I us a bit? Yes, I have a book launch uh, yep. that is happening tomorrow at the Africa Centre in Sodok. And um, it, it, for me, it is for me quite uh, phenomenal. I was extremely excited about the fact that this conversation is happening mm. at the Africa Centre. The Africa Centre that we've always known has been uh, the hub of Pan-Africanism and the conversation mm. around Black, um, African and diasporic cultures. Yeah. And I believe that there couldn't be a better place to have this conversation about the renaissance of African fashion. Yeah, I know, I know with the African um, Centre that they, I don't know if it was recently, if it was even the last couple of weeks that they, they have something to do with music, but they always have vendors um, mm. showing their artwork and fashion and so forth. So that'd be wonderful. So it's the African Centre in Southwark. Yep. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm going to write that um, in our chat box um, so that if people would like to go along. What time does it yeah. start? What time are you starting tomorrow? Yes, uh, it's starting at 6 p.m. and it's going to end at 8 p.m. And so in between, it's going to be a conversation mm. uh, between myself and a distinguished fashion scholar, also of Ghanaian origin, by name Frederico Brooksworth. And um, after that, there's going to be a book signing. Um, and, okay. And then, yeah. Wonderful. And what about if um, people would like to get in touch with you and thereafter, because where, where's your country of origin, um, Ken? Ghana. I am originally from Ghana, mm. and I am based in a small town called Cape Coast, okay. two hours away from Accra. Mm -hmm. um, you can reach me, I'm mostly very active on Instagram, uh, with the name Kweku Nimo together, K-W-E-K-U-N-I-M-O. Okay. You can shoot me um, uh, a DM 
and I am very responsive. Brilliant. And I would be excited to 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 get anyone a copy of the book. Fabulous. And yeah. how long are you in London for? I am in London until the end of the month. Okay. Um, and between now and then, I have had a few um, engagements. In fact, this morning, I did speak at the Regent University, where I spoke to an a um, management student. I mm. also have, ha- have had another um, guest lecture opportunity. Mm, yeah. And so, yes, I am open to conversations. Mm. I'm open to audiences, um, whether small or large, and anyone that wants to learn more about African fashion. Wonderful and beautiful people. If you see the book, I mean, when I saw it, I was blown away. I had to get myself a copy because it was just, (laughs) and I I wanted to delve right into it when I got home on Sunday um, night from the show because it just, it draws you in. It really, you can see it. It's just, it's an amazing, amazing book. And it's it's nice to have, I always say that, um, Ken, that we speak on things for us and by us. So having you yeah. on board is is a wonderful thing. And what I'd like to ask you really is what would you say um, is your greatest strength as an author? As an author, I would, I would definitely point to my, particularly in fashion, I would definitely point to my understanding of uh, the industry. Mm. I did in my um previous um, experience I did I was I was a designer I explored and actually doing my research also spent a lot of times engaging a lot of designers mm. and so I am um, able to empathize and understand uh, back in Johannesburg soon after I finished my MA uh, in design I set up a retail store where I would um, provide product development and brand development services to designers in in West Africa, um, specifically Ghana, and bring the product to South Africa mm. uh, to access the local market there. Now, all of this places me in a very peculiar um, a place where I I do understand the struggles and I do understand the daily um, 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 struggles of these designers. I identify with it. And so for me, I feel that that is my greatest strength. I am not um, a purely book uh, academic uh, mm. or researcher. I do have my feet literally on the ground. Wow. You've done it, though, haven't you? How uh, Can I ask how long it took you to do your research and produce such yeah. a wonderful masterpiece? Yes. I... I I began my um, I began the book actually during my honors dissertation, and that was in 2016. Okay. And after my honors dissertation, all the while I took the opportunity to engage even more designers. After I had even tended in my dissertation, mm. and fast forward in 2018 when I began my master's program at the University of Johannesburg, I began pitching the concept, uh, the book, to the synopsis of the book to a lot of publishing houses and agents. Okay. It was until 2019, mid-2019, uh, that I was able to attract, or I was able to find a publisher. 
between the time that I found the publisher and the time that the manuscript was complete, it mm. took me close to seven straight months mm. of of deep work and of deep research and consistent writing. Mm. But remember, this was based on research that already had begun yeah. somewhere around 2017. Wow. So it's, it, it didn't take just five minutes. It took <laughs> a fair amount a long of time, time. <laughs> yeah. done, right? And that's awesome. That's wonderful. So beautiful listeners, we have Ken um, Kweku Nemo on the, the line and he is going to be down at the um, Africa Centre in Southwark tomorrow evening from six to eight um, doing a book launch. So it would be well worth if you can get down there to see him and um, hit him up on at Kweku Nemo. Is that right, um, Ken? Kweku yeah. Nemo? At Kweku Nemo, yeah. On Instagram, I have put it that in the chat book box. So beautiful people, um, Ken. Could you stay on the line, okay? And okay. Um, I will, um, will will be back with you, listeners, in five. Okay. Your favorite food. What you like to do? You like to do. Your favorite color or any other thing on your mind that you like to share. Cause I can stay here and listen to every word. Because I'm interested Can I be an instrument In changing your life Is that alright? Because I'm interested I'd rather be with you instead Of anyone
was our guest there we just had ken kweku nemo on author of africa is africa naturally lily and he will be in southwark um african center southwark tomorrow from six till eight and the book is africa in fashion an absolutely beautiful book if you can get hold of that if you can get down there tomorrow that would be even better and um yeah we just we 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 know that we are in Black History Month. There's a lot happening in London at the moment as regards to Black History as well, and um, it's wonderful, isn't it? Naturally, Lily, it's very nice. It's very it's nice. Wonderful, wonderful. So, well, th- there's not enough hours in the day really for conversation. Sometimes you out there, DJ KJB. How are you? And we just want to give a big shout out to all the DJs on the station. You're doing an amazing job. Like, what can we say? We are just so blessed to be a part of the All Flavours Radio Famalam. And um, let's go into, naturally, first off, before we tackle our question, our word of the day. What is our word of the day? I know this one. Bespoke. Yes. Yes, it's pretty straightforward, right? Bespoke. That's when something's especially made, isn't it? Yes, custom made. Bespoke is a synonym of custom made and Mm. is used to describe anything made to an individual desired specifications. While factory made furniture is almost always less expensive, nothing beats the charm of a bespoke hand carved chair or table. Mm. And it's funny going into speaking about African designers, there's a really good documentary on African designers on Netflix. Oh, yes. So there's ones that do furniture, Mm. architecture. So I think Africa's definitely um, on the map, aren't Mm. they? They've definitely, we've been on the map for a long time, but now the recognition is coming, isn't it? That's right. So custom made. So salt boxes are or have become a Baltimore speciality. 900 or so of these bespoke wooden bins about as wide as a refrigerator, as tall as a toddler, as yellow as a rubber ducky, are stationed strategically throughout the city, mostly on streets too narrow or hills too steep for ploughs. So bespoke salt boxes. Oh, yeah, you know the salt boxes. We see them. We see them um, uh, with the sand in it. Oh, not salt. For oh, when, when they're spr- sprinkling it on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Them. So salt boxes, they, they are bespoke boxes, beautiful people. 
So build your vocabulary. Is get a word of the day in your inbox every day. So what what is in the English language of your the verb bespoke had various meanings, including to speak, to accuse, to complain. In the 16th century, bespoke acquired another meaning: to order or arrange in advance. It is from that sense that we get the adjective bespoke, referring to clothes and other things that are ordered before they are made. Mm. Bespoke has enjoyed a spike in usage. It really has, because I know we've had a few bespoke um, items of clothing made, and there's nothing like having something made just for you. Yeah. Made just for you. And beautiful people, I'm going to put a word inside of the box the chat box and i'd like for you to decipher it and tell me what it is let me see if any of you guys in the chat room can decipher this word that i have just put into the chat box bella ara warm greetings everyone quite engaging conversation with the book author wimbo africa is fashion i'd like to say are that thank you so much bella ara nothing new these there with africa's creators Absolutely, because we have been on the map for like ever, (laughs) isn't it? So there's a word in the chat box, beautiful people. See if you can decipher that for us. Although decipher is not our word of the day. It is actually bespoke. Bespoke. Bespoke is our word of the day. So we've left that in there. So I hope you can um, possibly work that, that word that we put in the chat box out by the end of the show. What is our question for today, Naturally Lily? So, are all men afraid of commitment and even more so in the black community? If so, why? What are your thoughts on that, Naturally Lily? I don't know. I don't think... If we're talking about today's generation, Mm. I don't think men are scared of commitment. I just think that the women of today are a bit nuts. Okay, I can agree with that. So when it comes to commitment, um, I think it was Steve Harvey, I was watching a snip and he was talking about like women have this biological clock where they want to have their house and their children Mm. by a certain age. And he said that men, they're not, it's not the fear of commitment, but they have a financial biological clock. So by a certain period of time or before they get, into a committed relationship they want to have certain things in place yeah. before they commit which I completely understood yeah. but I don't understand the the men that just like a butterfly yeah because it's true like you said many black men want to figure out their feelings and their finances before they deem themselves relationship ready which makes sense isn't it because it's almost like what bird is it that where the man will go out and um and not the man, the bird will build the nest before he brings the female bird there. In nature, they do. I don't it, know it, what there's, bird that is. there's a bird that does that, but generally, in nature, the the bird will go build the nest, yeah, and then the female will come in. Which I I get that, but I mm. just think with the society that we have today and the female mind Mm. that we have today I feel like men are not even given the opportunity to go and build themselves and then by the time they have built themselves they come across women who are like oh I'm already established and they are those women that are like I don't need no man I don't want no man I don't need your money and then are with him for six months to a year and are wondering why he doesn't want to commit when actually 
they're scaring him she's away. She's already set her boundary, but, hasn't she? Yeah. Everything she said. So I don't think it's a male commitment issue. I just think it's a. I just think this this generation mm. are a bit are a bit messy. It's funny because Constantine Constantine Clark on Facebook says because there are too many black women walking around shouting their business through loudspeakers yeah. and that's exactly what you've kind of just said there yeah. isn't it and it's all well and good for us to say oh I require this or I'd like this before settling down and do it's not just I mean it's not just black men because that's why I said are all men afraid of commitment and mm. even more so in the black community mm. because commitment is a commitment yeah regardless of what race we are but we find in it was again it was something that I saw that urged me to ask this question. It was a black woman saying that black men mm. are not committed. They don't want to commit. I don't know? know where they're seeing these men though. Cause a lot of the mm. men that are, I'm around are all committed. Yeah. <laughs> are all committed, <laughs> married men in relationships. Yeah. I'm kind of like, I don't know where you are getting this concept from. Mm. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And there is, I don't know that, you know, they, there's a um, saying surround yourself with like-minded people. Maybe that's why I haven't come across men that don't want to commit mm. because I don't that's not the I've never been drawn to that type of person do you know what I mean and then obviously I'm married so yeah. by extension my husband's friends are generally all men that are in committed it's quite funny because there was a post recently as well that I saw and it was a man saying there were three types it was a man saying this there were three types of men that you don't want to be around mm. and it was like there was these, it was just all three negative points. Right. So I made the point and then there's that one man that will be faithful mm. and support and love you. Mm. And he goes, he says something like, well, you better go and find one then. And I says, well, I already have kind of thing. Because yeah. at the end of the day, it's, is it just a warped sense from one side of the fence? Because yeah. like you rightfully said there, yeah, like-minded people with like-minded people and not, there are black men out there that want to commit mm. or be com in committed relationships, relationships with yeah. their, their partners. So <clears throat> you're right there naturally, Lady. I don't I, know about this question. I don't know. I feel like the, the this question comes comes amongst that same conversation of women that discuss men and say men are trash. Mm. Well, if a man hears you say your men are trash, he's not going to want to commit to you because then he's always going to think that the bar is way too high and he's never going to be able to achieve it. Um because you're always going to keep on raising the bar, so to speak. And I also feel like we have become so accustomed yeah. to this ideology that black men are, oh, no, they leave their, they leave their women there, just leave a, a long line of baby mothers mm. when, okay, maybe there was a generation that did do that. But if you were to look at it in like my generation, for example, and maybe on either side, are there more black men that are in committed relationships? Yeah. I'm not just saying, are they married? No, because I think that's what people just automatically think. Oh no, you're committed, you're married. Mm -hmm. Because some people, their relationships don't work when they're married. The relationship would work better if they're just a together. couple. Yeah. Um, and we've seen that. I've seen people that have been together for 17 years they get married and are divorced after two. Do you know, yeah. Something was working for them when they yeah. didn't have a piece of yeah. paper telling them they were forced to be in each other's company. Um, so being in a relationship, there are a lot more black men with their oh, woman. Yeah. 
that you would call that committed. So I, I don't, yeah. I don't think that notion of. I don't know what did Facebook say, but is it, is it just a demographic that or or a dialogue that we're shown? Again, from we've been looking at um, in past times with the young, um, with the guy that created Black History Month. Yeah, the stories that are told are they matching up with the realities? Because some of the stories that we're told in Black History doesn't meet the reality of what is actually going on. So maybe in this sense, it could well be that it's said that Black men don't like to commit, whereas in, in the in the reality that they actually do yeah and that they will and i think a lot of the time um us as women can tear our own households down as yes. well with the thing the way that we are with the things that we do with the things that we say and do we upbuild encourage mm. our, our men to be greater versions of themselves or do we tear them down to feel as if they're they're worthless and they, that they they mean nothing yeah you know so i think that that also plays a big part as well Let's go back to um, Facebook and see, because we've asked this question. And Chanel Taylor, she says, I don't think all men are afraid of commitment, but the ones that are most usually are afraid because when they do love, they actually love very hard. Mm. So they're scared to open up just to get it thrown back in Mm. their face, scared to get hurt, give their all just to get messed around on. Very true. yeah. Very true. And usually it is the men that have been hurt the first time. Mm. And um when they when they do find someone that they may be interested in, just like women put barriers up, they will put barriers up as well to protect themselves. Yeah. And then they look like they're afraid of commitment. I did see something, this gentleman, um, his wife died in mm. a car accident and when he got into a new relationship he was with this woman for, for years, but from the beginning of the relationship, he said, I don't know if I get married again. Mm. Because there was that fear that I was married and look what happened. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it ended with them being together for like 12 years, but her wanting just to be married when they, he was like, we was very comfortable okay. when we was together, but she wanted the the wedding and all of that stuff. And I just didn't want to. Um and they ended up breaking up. Mm. And then she ends up getting with someone else who... Just was no good for her, probably. Yeah. 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 When it's working, why do we want to break something that's working, mm. you know? And it doesn't sad. need fixing, you know? And, uh, yeah, I, I just think that commitment, what, do, what does it really mean? Mm. Like you said, it could be something very different in... Um, this day and age uh, it's funny again going back to the Bob Marley um, show on Friday he didn't he married Rita mm. but then he did have a few other women and he spoke of these circles and that he says who, who because in the Bible men they were they were allowed to have a number of different we wives we don't right? live in Bible times right now <laughs> I know but but in some cases, no. <laughs> these things happen in this day and age. What is commitment? Is commitment being there to to help raise your children, or is it being committed is to stick to that your one woman mm. and give and be there as a couple? What, I would I wouldn't well? say your your a commitment is being there to raise your children because you could do that as co parents. Yeah, you don't have to be in the same building to be able to look after your children Mm. so I don't think that's commitment because to be fair if you're 
you're going to have to look after your children regardless whether you're in the same vicinity or not. But I think commitment is more than that. I think it is, like um, Rachel said, mm. um, it is being vulnerable, it is being open, it is being with that one person that <clears throat> you can, you know... Work with. Be like the beavers. You know the beavers that, that when they... <clears throat> Like when dam. they're in the dam they hold yeah. hands so they don't drift apart <laughs> that's commitment mate that's like if you let go of my hands we will die I, don't I let die go. necessarily no because then, be then they, they'll right? be apart and then things will go wrong <laughs> you hold onto my paw forever and ever amen until you wake up commitment, commitment is a state of quality being dedicated to cause or activity so dedication mm. devotion allegiance loyalty faithfulness and fidelity mm. And yeah, that I think that goes across the board. It's got to go from both sides as mm. well. Because some women, maybe they're scared of being committed. I think now... I think it's, it's more women, yeah. Now, haven't they? Yeah. Like women like, no, I, I'm, I've got all of what I don't need. I don't need no man. That's what you hear. That's what you hear a lot of women saying these days. What are your thoughts out there, listeners? Do you feel that um, men find it hard to be committed? If Or, or should we say, are all men afraid of commitment? And even more so in the black community? If so, why? Or do you feel that women, have they've, it's done a U-turn and they're more likely to be the ones that don't want to commit these days because they are independent women and feel that they, they, only, they don't even need a man to have babies these days, do they? Oh, my goodness. You know, you, know, you said that, right? <laughs> I saw something the other day. And the guy says, men don't need women to reproduce. And I watched this maybe, I watched it maybe 10 times and I could not wrap my head around what foolishness was coming out this man's mouth. Men don't need women to reproduce. Meaning? Meaning he's an Egypt because you do need a man and a woman, whether you are in again, the same Mm -hmm. vicinity, you still need the seed from the man and the seed from the woman to be able to reproduce. Mm. So mm. we said we have said it many times as women, I don't need no man to help me raise my children. I don't need no man to reproduce. But actually, even if it's in an in, in the little petri dish, you do. You need both. Yeah. So we're talking about yeah, the commitment of the individual. And as said, um Gavin says, no, all men are not afraid of commitment. Mm. And Claire says a man isn't afraid of commitment, but a boy is, which does make sense. So maybe a young man wants to, boy wants to still run around and have all the fun in the world. But a man will (laughs) stand down or stand up and make that commitment to be, like we said, in an alliance or allegiance or a faithful and devoted relationship with someone else. So... Mm. Yeah, swings and roundabouts, I guess, in in that case. And how have you gotten in the on in the chat room, beautiful listeners? Have you worked out what that word is um, to de- decipher in there? Um, let us know, and we'll see y'all in five. Yo, this is Donny. You're in tune to All Flavors Radio. Don't touch that dial. This is the station with all your music in one place. It's absolutely gorgeous around there. Isn't it just amazing? Why don't you um, step down there and I'll take a picture of you. All right, cool. Let me just jump down. Two seconds. A walk by the sea may seem safe enough, 
but slippery rocks, unstable ground, and unexpected waves could catch you out. Around half the people who drown never even expected to get wet. British and Irish waters are dangerously unpredictable. See for yourself. rnli.org forward slash respect the water. UK. Get ready. Get ready. Promotions and All Flavors Radio present We Are Ready to Party Again. Lucian Star on Saturday, the 25th of February, 2023. On this night, we'll be celebrating St. Lucia's 44 years of independence. Save the date. More details coming soon. Broadcasting worldwide online 24 7. All Flavors Radio. Five to your TikTok crew, as well as the Insta- Instagram crew. Don't forget, you can catch DJ Laro from eight till ten tonight, and DJ Eighty Francis from ten until twelve. And a big hi there to 80 Francis in the chat room. How you doing, George Flavor, South Malaysia? You can catch George on a Monday and a Sunday. Please feel free to join our Facebook group, our All Flavors Radio Facebook group. See what's going on. As well as allflavorsradio.com. Check out the schedule. 
How you doing, Bella Ara? Adam Munich. And Chrissy, how you doing, Chrissy, and the family? Sending you love, peace, and light. DJ Laro and family, Maureen. How you guys doing? Saying hi to Gal Gal. Hope you're okay. And Mark Philogene out of Bremen. Hope you're resting up, Mark. Shout out guest 544, guest 573, guest 580, and guest 713 out of Dusseldorf. A big shout out to John John, Ray Chanel, and Little Asani. Not forgetting Jayla, Janae, Duane, and sending enough love to Marjak, Anisha, Tai Tai, Isa, and Denaya. And give it a big high five to DJ KJB. Forget you can catch Darnell the therapist every Wednesday, as well as Charlie Muir. And we're giving a big shout out to Unity FM Global UK and Unity FM St Lucia 90.5. And it's so good doing collaborations, you know, with others because. We're, we're a community and I think community should build a community, don't you think naturally, Lily? I do. Yeah, we, we it's so important as well as, you know, building up, yeah, each other. Yeah, because like you said in the beginning, um, with Black History Month um, being created for us and by us to build up the community, let us know about our heritage, there are many other ways that we can... Um, build up one another and that is is through collaboration and networking isn't it absolutely and we also have um, a couple of opportunities here actually there's one in whatsapp corner and this one is how to build your fashion business it's a bit of a ring tonight wasn't there because Mm. um, we spoke earlier on, on leggings that was our hashtag leggings day so women out there who enjoy wearing leggings well today is a national leggings day as well as speaking to our wonderful author, um, Ken Kweku Nemo, who has something on at um, in Southwark tomorrow at the Africa Centre. He has a book launch and it's well worth going along to see his beautiful book and really the influences that African fashion has played mm-hmm. in throughout the whole of, you know, history, I'd have thought, but mm-hmm. we get now get recognition for the things that we're doing 
But this opportunity in WhatsApp Corner, it's an event that's part of Black History Month celebrations and it they take a look at black entrepreneurship in its glory. So they share the glory, uh, the journey of owning your own business, sharing um, this man, Ray French. He's a tailor and designer, teacher and CEO of his own business. He'll discuss how to start up a business, how to seek funding and potential pitfalls along the way. So being brought up in Ladbrook Grove, he formed an interest in design from an early age, went on to open his own shop in Camden High Street mm. and, yeah, designing many different outfits and so on and so forth. And this led him to working for many famous um, designers during London, Paris and New York Fashion Week, such as Amazing. Zandra Rhodes, Vivian Westwood, to name a few. Um, he gained qualifications to share his skills and knowledge with others. And so his new venture is Thread the Needle. Now, this is an opportunity on how to build your fashion business. So if you are a fashion business owner and so forth, this one is just for you. He has two dates. I will put the link for Eventbrite in um, the chat box because I think this is an amazing opportunity, um, really, I'm going to put the date as well. It starts on Monday the 24th, so that's next week, um, to the 31st of October. Okay, so 20, So it's Monday the 24th and the 31st of October, so it's well worth. If you know, if not personally yourself, but if you know someone that may have an interest, an interest in fashion and design, this may be for them. Please share. So I've, I've posted it in the chat box. The beautiful people, we're always sharing um, things in the chat, not just for us, but for you to share with other people that may be interested in such things. And we know each one teach one. We share and share alike as well so that we can, again, help grow and expand mm. within the community. So this is uh, how to build fashion, build your fashion business and you'll delve into the process of starting up a business as a person of colour and everything in between. So I might even jump on that one myself, naturally, Lily. Not necessarily for the fashion, mm. but for the business side of mm. things, I guess. He's, I mean, it says he's had a business here in Camden High Street and so forth, and he's worked with some of the top designers. Mm. Why miss out on such an opportunity, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. So naturally, Lily. What is our, we're going back with our book tonight, guys. So what's, what's, what have you seen in our book today? So the first, so this book is called The 100 Greatest Leadership Principles of All Time. And the first one is under the section intelligence. And it says, many people have ideas on how others should change. Few people have ideas on how they should change. Mm. Leo Tolstoy said that. Oh, Tolstoy, okay. And it's true. Everyone can tell you what you should do, be doing differently. Yeah. Um, but they don't mirror that and look at what they Looking at ourselves. should be doing differently. Yeah. Mm. It's a bit like the scripture that says do unto others almost, isn't it? Like we want to be doing... No. Not Maybe really, because do unto others as you want them to do to you is is you you saying if like I say to Jay all the time when you get up and make a cup of tea you should make one for me too. Mm. But then do I make him a cup of tea when I get, <laughs> when I get up? And make one? Yeah. So that's do unto others. Whereas I think pointing the finger is where you're saying you know 
you should do this. You should wake up earlier in the morning so you mm. can make everyone a cup of tea. But then that's a change you're telling someone else to make. But is that something that you can work on as well? And this is the thing, isn't it? Sometimes we can be the best critic. Mm. But it's also, are we able to take the criticism in that sense? Mm. But also work in line. If we're asking someone to do something, are we doing it ourselves? Is that basically what it's saying, isn't it? And sometimes I think that in life, we may mirror our feelings, Mm. how we're feeling onto other people and expect them to be feeling the same, but that's not how it, how it goes. That's not how, so I, I fully understand um, what Tolstoy was saying there. It's all about, I think working on ourselves first Mm -hmm. and then, you know, and not, not even telling people how to go about doing things Mm. even. Because you can't, there's, there's the saying, you can't tell me, show me. You can't tell me, show me. You can tell someone how to do something, but inevitably Mm. that might go in one ear and come out the other. Whereas if you are an example, if you're Mm. the change that you want to see, as we always say, (laughs) Um, then it may encourage that other person to change. It may encourage them to make, not change completely, but they may need to make some adjustments in their own Mm. um, self. And just by you being the example, they may think, oh, do you know, actually, maybe I should do that differently. But sometimes it's not even the fact of being an example, because maybe by us, we're working in line with possibly wanting to make the needed changes, Mm. But then maybe someone might see that as not encouraging. Mm. Do, you, do you get what I'm saying? Like mm. they might think, oh, well, that person's when they're really just trying to work on themselves. Yeah. Uh, and do, do you understand? At this present <laughs> moment, this yeah. is exactly something I'm experiencing. Uh, the change that I feel possibly rubbing people up the wrong way. Mm. But I've made that change because... I've been pushed into a corner and I think a lot of people don't realise as well um, a lot of people make changes not always positive changes sometimes they may be negative um, or that the, the, the mindset behind it may be negative as to why they've made the change but they've been pushed into a corner and they've been forced yeah, no to choice. change yeah. and because of that change it will have an impact on others not necessarily the way they're going to favour it. Mm. Um, And I've personally seen that in the sense that there are certain things and certain practices that I was doing um, that I have changed. And now all of a sudden people are following suit. Okay, that's good. But they're only doing it because they realise why I'm doing it. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's a bit... It's bittersweet yeah. because it's kind of like, yeah, so you understand why so I've done it. You've changed, but then it forces others to. Is that what, it's, is that what you're saying there? No, my, I, I, my change was forced. Okay. My oh. change was forced. And you, 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 because I've made that change, others are now trying to, what's the word? they're not even mirroring the change, but they're just kind of, they don't like it. Or why all of a sudden are you doing it this way when this isn't what we used to do before and whatever. But sometimes Um, it works better. It is working for for me. (laughs) But now others are following suit because they realise actually. 
that's the way to what go. What you're doing makes sense. Yeah. You know? And then sometimes you just have to, I guess, when it comes to change, mm. is that, was it be the change you want to see? Was that basically what we, what, what the word of the day mm. was? No, it was when it comes to encouraging. Many people have ideas on how others should change, but few people have ideas on how they should change. So there's no self-awareness. Okay, so being self-aware mm. and knowing, you know, um, the reasons behind the, the things that we do. Yeah. And then also, because the thing is, you can, have a, you can have a reason behind the things that you do, but then it's not always going to be taken the way that you expected it to be yeah. seen. And that, again, it's just working on ourselves. Basically. We've got to work on ourselves, beautiful people. And regardless, some people are going to take it in a great, in a good way. Some aren't. Mm. But we've still got to always press forwards. Mm. We've still always got to, like naturally Lily says that, be that change that we want to see. Mm-hmm. Press forwards in a sense of making a difference. And some will accept it with open arms. Some won't, but... The main thing is that you're making inroads and pressing forwards. Yes. And I think that is really, really it regardless. And we're not going to please everybody. Nope. So please your damn selves. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, I, that's what I say from these days. Someone said it's so good to today. That's we were talking about um, management of staff <laughs> and she said it perfect. She's like, we're like Marmite. Mm, you love it or you hate we're it. like marmite <laughs> and then she said you can't please everybody just be like marmite because you'll get some that are like yes i, I get it mm. and then you'll get others that are like nah but they have to live with it anyway yeah marmite exists. well you like it or you don't yeah it's there but you don't have to have it do you i love marmite by the ways guys yeah. And um, that is it in a nutshell. So yep. we're talking about Marmite. We've t- spoken about so much on the show. Thank you so much, beautiful people, for joining us tonight. Um, thank you f- um, again to our guest, Ken Kwaku Nemo and his amazing book. Hopefully you can catch him tomorrow um, at the Africa Centre Africa in Southwark. And joining us after, after us this evening is DJ Laro from 8 till 10 as well as DJ A.T. Francis from 10 till 12. And tomorrow we have Darnell, the therapist, and Charlie Muir Wednesday night. But please check the schedules because we have a DJ going live every single day, every single day. And yeah, uh, you're doing amazing things on the station, guys. So keep up the good work. Keep up the good work. That's all that I can say. And I guess naturally, Lily, all we have left to say is... We will we'll see, see ya on the, on the other, other side. side. Take care, Good beautiful night. people.
take this a moment Oh Giving you the best of me Amazing 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 Oh Having you close to me Good morning, good morning. It's breakfast. Lost track of time, but we had a ball. Let's catch a movie, a movie. Then dinner. Tonight's the night we'll just unwind and stay. Hey, let's stay personal, personal, personal. Let's stay for a while. Such a beautiful moment Giving you the best of me Yeah.